Hello, I'm Spencer Levy, Chairman of America's Research and Senior Economic Advisor at CBRE, and this is The Weekly Take, where we share our unique insights on what matters most in commercial real estate and the world at large. This week, we'll learn more about what's happening in the commercial real estate industry as a result of the COVID-19 crisis, and I'll be joined by my friend and colleague Todd Littman, a Vice Chairman in the Chicago office, a tenant rep professional who is an expert in many of the landlord-tenant issues that are impacting our industry most today. But first, let's take a look at last week's developments. The COVID-19 crisis continued to advance globally and in the U.S., leading to an additional government-mandated lockdown throughout the country. Economic concerns were heightened as U.S. unemployment claims jumped to over 6 million and the March BLS jobs report came in at a negative 700,000. CBRE expects this situation to get worse before it gets better later in the second quarter. There were some signs of stability in the stock market with reduced volatility levels and modest declines on the week. The CARES Act, launched on Friday, is highlighted by the SBA loan program and is especially welcome for small tenants in retail, but will also help tenants in office and industrial that are hardest hit by the COVID-19 crisis. This $450 billion packages targeting small business is a welcome first step to directly help our industry, and we hope will be followed by more targeted relief for small businesses, landlords, and their lenders. From a debt and structured finance perspective, while the markets are still highly volatile, they have begun to show signs of healing as the cost of certain types of Fannie and Freddie debt is actually lower today than it was in early March, showing that even the preliminary Fed liquidity is working. While once again, most of our loan volume was in apartments and industrial, other property types were also financed, including a $40 million bridge loan for an office building in the West, a hotel deal in Texas, and a retail deal in Minnesota. From an investment properties perspective, the market continues to slow as transactions brought to market and bidders in market continue to reduce. But at the same time, we are still closing deals, including a large deal in Memphis, several retail transactions from California to Detroit, and many land transactions, which portend optimism for future development. As expected, April 1st represented a critical date for landlord-tenant relations across the commercial real estate spectrum as concerns over rent and mortgage stress turned into reality. While we stand by our position that all tenants who can pay their rent and landlords who can pay their mortgages should pay, we are seeing an increasing number who are not or cannot with particular stress in retail. No asset type is immune, as we have seen a fall in collections in all asset types. The current government relief program for the multi- and single-family space was welcome, and industry participants are asking for similar relief in other asset types. While weeks feel like months in the teeth of the crisis, Asia is several weeks ahead of the United States in the advancement and control of the disease. While they are still nowhere near back to normal, and there have been some setbacks in Singapore, Hong Kong, Tokyo, and elsewhere, with flare-ups in the disease after the most onerous travel restrictions were lifted, both consumer and business optimism is already on the rise across the region. The optimism in Asia is showing up in the form of an investor survey that was published this week by our friend and colleague, Henry Chin, who is the head of Asia and EMEA research that showed professionals in Asia expect cap rates to rise about 50 to 75 basis points across the board, or about a 10 to 20% overall drop in value, though industrial fared much better with largely flat cap rates. In the meantime, while the disease is still not under control, 
it is comforting to know that the commercial real estate capital markets remain open, the government has never gone further and faster to help our economy, including ways that target our industry, and, most importantly, in what has historically been a dog-eat-dog world and industry, landlords, tenants, and lenders are communicating more often and more constructively, perhaps, than ever before. This is why we believe that once we are through the storm, our industry will recover and we will be stronger. Now, here's my conversation with Todd Littman. Well, I'm delighted to be here today with my good friend and colleague, Todd Littman, one of the top professionals in the Chicago market and somebody I've had the pleasure of knowing for over a decade. Todd, welcome to The Weekly Take. Thanks, Spencer. Great to be here. And let's just start at home. Being a dad, being a father, being a husband, these are the most important functions we have right now to get through the crisis. So what are you telling your kids today how to cope with the crisis? How are they doing? How are you doing? You know, we're trying to appreciate things and it makes you appreciate your life a little bit more and makes you appreciate your family more. So uh, I try to look at it from that positive sense as opposed to focusing on uh, the negative aspects. And quite frankly, we're just trying to stay healthy and do our best to uh, make sure that we get through this healthy and provide as much support as we can for the people around us and drop off dinners to Jackie's parents a couple times a week to make sure that everyone's happy. Now, Todd, you've been a industry leader within Chicago for your entire career. And I will tell you that my dad is from the Bronx. And uh, being from the Bronx, he's a big New York guy. But he said there are only two real cities in America, New York and Chicago. But Todd, I'm going to ask you the question, why Chicago? Why is Chicago such a great city? Well, I've been in Chicago my whole life. My parents, grandparents, everyone in our family has been there. Same with my wife's family. Uh, You have Midwestern values. Uh, Everyone's nice, friendly. Um, but I think the dynamics of, of Chicago are fantastic, and I, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Well, what's interesting about Chicago, it's an older city, but it, it is evolving. And one of the areas that's evolving, it is the number one greenest city in America, according to our Green City uh, Green Building Adoption Index we did last year. About 75% of all office buildings there are deemed to be green, which is pretty remarkable in terms of older buildings being um, environmentally sensitive. But in addition, the the city's getting bigger, and the Fulton Market is an area that maybe 10 years ago wasn't uh, a great place to be. Now it is the place to be uh, in many people's estimations about the city in terms of live, work, play, great restaurants, and obviously world-class companies. What's going on in the Fulton Market? Uh, Fulton Market has grown dramatically. I mean, it used to be the meatpacking district, really, of Chicago, um, now it's this evolved neighborhood where, you know, after Google came and it became a tech hub, uh, you know, we represented McDonald's and, you know, they brought them down to uh, build world-class headquarters from the suburbs, um, you know, totally transformed their culture, uh, which made it more mainstream to come to Fulton Market. Well, Todd, let's turn now to uh, what's going on now, the, uh, the terrible COVID-19 crisis. I'd love to know what type of advice you're giving your clients to deal with today's crisis. Um, I'm staying really close to the client, Spencer, and, and having so many conversations and uh, spending so much time reviewing their leases. Uh, I have a lot of global clients. Um, and, you know, the first thing I do is I, I go through their lease to understand what their rights are uh, and then have a conversation with them. Uh, and every lease is different and every lease clause is different, whether it's interruption of services, whether it's casualty, um, condemnation, accessibility to space, uh, stoppage of services, and whether it's within the landlord control, the tenant control, uh, all these nuances are there. And yeah, every tenant lease is done differently. 
So you have to understand those dynamics and how those fit into each of the markets. It's different in New York where there may be a complete shutdown versus London versus Chicago, where now uh, we're holding until the end of April before we can go back in, but essential services can still go. Uh, so it's really understanding that. Uh, the one commonality, Spencer, uh, that I advise the clients is don't just stop paying rent. Uh, if you have the right under your lease to rent abatement, um, have a discussion with your landlord so everybody understands because these are long-term relationships. Uh, this may, may, we hope it is a short-term scenario. Uh, and if you need help financially, be open candidly with the landlord and there should be a way to work things out that, that the tenant isn't stuck laying off folks uh, just because they have to pay rent for the next month or two. And there are some accommodations that both sides can make. Well, Todd, not only do each lease differ based upon some of these critical clauses that everybody should know um, cold, but they also differ by industry type and they also in differ by market. Tell me a little bit about that. And, and in particular, I know that you are one of the leaders of the law firm practice group here at CBRE. Tell me about the law firm sector specifically as well. Uh, law firm sector is probably touched by this the most because they have clients that uh, are asking them for advice. Uh, and in turn, they're asking us for advice. Um, and all law firms are looking at, you know, really the same thing. I mean, the same discussion is um, they want to be reasonable, but they don't want to be the last quote unquote law firm um, that's paying rent. There's a fear that all these other law firms are withholding rent. No one's paying rent and they're the one group that's paying it. Uh, and that isn't the case. The majority, if not almost all of those tenants are paying rent. Uh, they are now. Uh, we don't know how this is going to evolve. Uh, everyone's lease is different. Um, and they're asking for our best advice, uh, not what is XYZ company doing or XYZ firm doing, but in general, uh, how do things look in New York versus Chicago? How do things look in London where I'm paying rent for three months at a time on a quarterly basis for April, May, and June, as opposed to on a monthly basis, which lets you you know, assess things, you know, pretty quickly, um, you know, how are people looking at things? So that's really the approach that we're taking is, is really spending that time. And uh, it, it, it really has become around the clock. And that's one of the challenges I think working at home, Spencer, is I'm like you, I run around a lot when you're at home, uh, you just tend to really not turn off and tend to spend your time, you know, reviewing things uh, and reviewing leases and talking with your clients more. So it may be too soon, because we're in the midst of the heat of the moment. We're, we're in the soup right now, but I do want to talk about the long term for just a moment because what I've been hearing from a lot of my clients is how this crisis is going to fundamentally change how people are going to use office space. Maybe people are saying because people are working at home, they don't want to go back to the office. They don't want to be on top of each other in these very dense environments. Uh, I don't believe these arguments, though I do believe there will be changes but let's just take it to the bottom line. What are your clients saying about long-term changes to the office space, both by design, wellness, or otherwise, or is it just too soon, Todd? It's just too soon, but they're pondering it. Uh, and I've had several discussions with our workplace team about it. Uh, I have some clients that feel like, um, you know, work from home is gonna be here to stay and it, it's working for them and they think they may take less space. I've had other clients uh, that are really focusing on efficiency that are saying, we actually need to take more space because we need our own space. It shows you that you need space. We don't want this densification to continue. Um, I think co-working is something that folks are talking about. What's the future of that and, and how are you gonna utilize that? Um, so it's really, it's interesting, Spencer, because you think about it, you've got long-term leases, a lot of these leases, co-working are very short-term. So they're easy to, to you know, cancel when you, uh, when you need to get rid of space, a lot harder to sublease space. Uh, I don't know how it'll evolve. 
I actually think that folks are going to come into the office a lot more. Uh, I think the novelty on the work at home thing is it's nice to be around your family. It's nice to change things. Uh, you know, I, you see if you're in a manufacturing where you turn the lights up or down, it increases productivity. I think I'm really productive. Uh, I think you're going to lose some of that productivity as the, as the weeks or hopefully not months go on. And everyone won't be able to wait to get back to the office because I can't wait to get back to the office and see my, the folks you work with. Let's talk now about your charitable work, Todd. And I know that you've been a uh, doing tremendous stuff, particularly for several children's charities, including the Chicago Children's Museum and the Providence St. Mel's School. Tell me about how you got involved in these children's charities and how they're doing today through this period. Uh, you know, basically, people that I that I care about and respect got me involved um, in them. And you know, I only focus on charities where it, it's about education and kids. Uh, my mom, my grandmother, and my wife are all teachers. Uh, and I think that's the most important profession because uh, you're really changing lives. And I think that's one of the most challenging professions, especially in the inner city of Chicago, um, to try to get kids from an education standpoint where they need to be. Uh, and I think once you can get those kids there, I think then that changes the whole dynamic uh, as far as you know, how our environment really should work. Um, so I got involved because, you know, quite frankly, both of them needed somebody to do their real estate pro bono. Uh, they each had big projects. Uh, and I got to know the organizations. Uh, Providence St. Mel has 100% of their students. They graduate and they're accepted at top colleges. Uh, it really is, is a miracle organization. And the Chicago Children's Museum is as well. And uh, it's a challenging time because when the kids can't go to the Chicago Children's Museum and you're shut down, um, they're not making any money. And when the kids can't go to school in an area like Garfield Park, and the biggest concern is when they're not in school, what are they doing? Um, those are the things that keep me up at night. Uh, and those are some of the reasons I want to see us get through this as quickly as possible. That's great to hear, Todd. Thank you for your continued support and contributions to the Chicago community. Before we sign off on the second episode of The Weekly Take, on behalf of CBRE, I'd like to do a special shout out and big thank you to all of the courageous people who are working day in and day out to provide essential services in this challenging environment. Next week, I'll be joined by my friend, Melina Cordero, the head of retail sales at CBRE. And make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have questions you'd like to submit to me or CBRE's global experts, please send me an email at spencer.levy at cbre.com. Follow me on LinkedIn or you can get the latest commercial real estate news and analysis locally, nationally, or from around the globe anytime at CBRE.com. Until next week, I'm Spencer Levy. Be smart, be safe, be well.